0: Well, happy Father's Day, everyone. I hope you're having a great morning this morning. I sure know that we are, and it's just so exciting uh, to introduce some of these uh, very special guests to us today. And uh, and it's amazing how we can pull everybody together from various different uh, locations all over this great city of Melbourne that we have. Now, before I introduce um, our guests to you, my name is Pastor Matt, I'm the senior leader here at Manningham. And uh, I just wanna personally thank you so much for joining us. It would mean a lot to us for you to share. Uh, If you find this valuable, it would mean the world to us for you to share this throughout your social media as well. Well, today is Father's Day and uh, it's a significant day for a lot of people. Sometimes for some people, it can be a really tough day as well, but uh, I pray and uh, my hope today is that you will find something of great value in what is shared this morning. You are going to be hearing from three significant men from three uh, different generations this morning, and uh, it's going to be a really, really, I think it's going to be incredibly meaningful. You're going to learn some things that you perhaps didn't know about these people. And uh, you're going to learn really what it is to uh, see the hand of God at work uh, in amongst, um, you know, sometimes you you may hear some brokenness, you may hear some, you know, idealistic, uh, you know, things. But the truth is this, is that God is at work in every single circumstance. The Bible says it this way, that he works all things together for good for those who love him. And so our heart must be always postured in love uh, towards him. But uh, James chapter 1 verses 23 to 25 says this. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. How? Why don't you join with me in saying this, all right? Let's join together. Here we go. But be doers of the word and not hearers only only deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was and you see for us as men and women really as as people as followers of jesus christ We are in this moment and in this state of, uh, you know, there has never been such a time where we need to be doers of the word. We need to be doers of what, you know, God wants and longs for us to do. And not just be hearers of it, not just let let the word of God, let the Bible uh, and uh, even the prophetic word or a word of knowledge even that was shared this morning. We can't just be hearers of it and uh, just sort of say to ourselves, well, look, that was nice. Uh, that made me feel good for about 3.8 seconds. <laughs> we, we want this to be a, a time we want to be people who are actually doers of the word. So we hear that instruction, and that instruction helps us draw together and pull together um, a, a, a sense of life, a life abundantly, and effectiveness as we live and as we go about our day so i I just want to encourage you that as you hear what god is speaking to you about this morning that that you would enact that that you would go yep you know there's a couple of things that i want to take on board and put into place in my life and then there's you might hear some things that may not be relevant to you but but at the same time You need to be hearing, we need to be hearing what the Word of God is saying to us because we don't want to be people who look at ourselves in the mirror, walk away, and then forget what we look like because our identity is important. How we see ourselves is important. And I think we need to see ourselves as doers of the Word, as people who outlive and outwork the Word as opposed to just people who hear it and live hypocritical lives where we say, yep, amen, that's really, really good, but we're not prepared to do anything about it ourselves. So that might be, that might be a, a significant thing for you and, and uh, for you to make that resolution and make that decision within your heart and say, hey, I'm, I'm gonna be a man, I'm gonna be a person of the word, I'm gonna be a person of my own word that when I say I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. And let me tell you, no one is hearing this more than I I can tell you right now because there have been times in my life where I haven't fulfilled and haven't followed through on what I said that I would do and I am challenged each and every single day to be that man to be that person to be that human being within the community for my family for my for my marriage for for uh, for uh, the church family as well as the wider community as well and you see that is the people that we are called to be people who are not just hearers of the word but be doers of the word well i'm going to introduce to you right now i am just so super excited to introduce these people these following people to you and uh, we're going to bring them up on screen to you and uh, I just can't wait to hear some of the stories and some of the things that God has laid upon their heart. Firstly, we are going to introduce to you Steve Johnson in the green corner. That's so fantastic. How are you going, Steve? So great to see your face right Doing now. Well. And uh, And Andy Duncan, Andrew Duncan right now, he's got his gaming headset on, he's ready to get into this game of life that's called that life good to see that you've made the bed behind you Andy that's just so super exciting (laughs) as well that's great and Sambo Sam mate you're amazing you can be like in two places all at once you can be on the stage and then somewhere else in an instant that's just so exciting as well thanks for everything that you're doing can't wait so right now we are going to introduce you to Steve now Steve Johnson, uh, amongst uh, being a a great man of God, he is an incredible father. He has played a key and is playing a key role here within the life of the church, that he's a member of our board, member of our oversight, as well as our current treasurer. And, uh, you know, in the history of Christianity, treasurers, you know, have had it pretty tough. Uh, But uh, Steve has done an incredible job. Was. And uh, not only that, today, we want to recognize you, Steve, as being just uh, a, a fundamental, absolute prime example of a great friend and a great man and a great father. And so uh, we, I think a little photo, I think of, uh, of, of you from a little while ago now. Now, um, that I think that must be your dream home in the background there. Is that right, Steve?
1: Something like that, yeah. Taxi in Canberra at a miniature village up there. So,
0: oh man, that's so fantastic. That's so cool. I think um, I think that uh, um, it looked a little bit different. That only seemed like uh, maybe was it was it pre COVID? Was it? Do you think or
1: it's just just pre COVID? I think by about fifteen years. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Hey, introduce who else is in that photo there for us, can you? Who, who Who else can we see in that photo there?
1: So next to me with the blue nose, that's my son, Caleb. He's a bit younger there, but he's now 20 years old. And my twin daughters, Amber and Victoria, who are 24 now. Wow, so grown up, little
0: Lambert, there, if you're watching, a big shout out to you. And Kayla with the blue nose, you look a little bit different now uh, as compared to back then, that is for sure. Well, I know you've got something really, really important and really, really special to uh, share with us, uh, Steve. And so I'm going to hand it over to you, mate, we can't, I can't wait to wait here what you have to share and what God has laid on your heart. So uh, thanks so much for being with us this morning. And uh, I'm just going to hand it over to you, mate. Can't wait to hear what you have to share. Beautiful. Thanks,
1: Matt. Okay, so I'd just like to say, yeah, happy Father's Day to all those fathers out there. Um, It's a a real honour to be a father and to have children. Um, I'm going to share a really significant part of my life in regards to fatherhood today. A lot of it is my testimony that a lot of people around the church haven't heard um, but I think it's a really good opportunity to share this. So I actually want to start with a, with a scripture and it's taken from the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 but I want to talk about it from the from the father's point of view. So it starts in uh, verse 20, about halfway through. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Let the fattened calf get fat. Sorry, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. So very much that speaks of our father God and, and his love for, for his creation and when they've gone away, but how much they celebrate when, they, when they've come back to him. That's also my story to a, to a big extent as well. Um, and I'll just start sharing, and you, you, you'll get the picture as I as I begin to speak. I think. So I want to start my story way back in 2007. In 2007, I became I got really really sick. Um, I began to have all these bizarre nerve symptoms going on in my body. I basically had nerve pain from right under my chin, right down to my feet. I was getting numbness, I was getting tingling and I went and I could not tell you how many doctors I saw, I could not tell you how many different scans I had and everything came back the same. We don't know what's wrong with you. And I even went and spoke to one of my doctors about it and I explained my symptoms to him and he said, what you're explaining in your body can't actually be happening because you can't have this at the same time as you can have that and I said, well, I'm getting it. so." Um, anyway, it was, a, it was a really, really difficult time then. Um, I was that sick, I spoke to my doctor about giving up work um, because I didn't know whether I could continue. And she said to me some really sage advice. She said, Don't give up work. She said, I've seen too many people who've been in a circumstance like yours that have given up work and have not ever gone back. And so, she said, if you need to reduce your hours, do it. And um, anyway, I I continued going to work and I felt really, really sick. I had two days at work when I can remember that I thought if I had have collapsed on the floor and dropped dead at that moment, I wouldn't have been surprised. But anyway, I kind of got, got through that a little bit, a little bit, and I found that Not only was this sickness really impacting on um, my marriage, my first marriage to my first wife, but it was also impacting on my kids. And I remember I was laying on the couch one day because that was pretty much all I could do at certain times. And I think it was Caleb who came up to me and I I started crying. and, And I said to him, I'm really sorry. I said, I'm really sorry because I'm, I can't do the things that I used to do with you. I'm not well enough at the moment." And that was really hard to take. But anyway, we kind of got through that a bit. And as I said, this started to take an impact on my marriage with, with my first wife. Um, and, and it was kind of like, well, Steve's not the same person he used to be, and I'm not as much fun to be around anymore. So we, myself and my first wife, really started to encounter some some significant problems. In about the start of 2009, um, I started to feel a little bit better. And the the doctors had had me on a lot of medication, basically just to dull down down symptoms that were happening in my body. So about the start of 2009, sort of towards maybe February, March, I got back to a point where I wasn't feeling too bad again, I certainly wasn't well but I wasn't too bad and I would managed to wean myself all my medications Um, and I was probably operating at about 85% at that stage of of where I was pre-sickness. Anyway, in May 2010 um, I remember we had all gone to church as a family in the morning and we went around to some friend's place for lunch, and I had lunch, and, and after lunch I said, oh, I don't feel, my stomach doesn't feel right. And anyway, um, ever since, from that time onwards, right up until the, the, the current day, I have suffered from severe stomach pain. Anyway, that, that had a further impact on my marriage because I um, towards the end, it was in October 2010, um, my wife had started taking the kids to Scouts. Um, through that she developed a number of other friendships with other, other people and things like that and Scouts was not, I, I wasn't able to have as active a um, participation in Scouts because um, I, I was just too unwell, I was in too much pain. Anyway, my my, wife, my ex-wife, she ended up having an affair. Um, she left the marriage. Um, and so she, she moved up to a Um Anyway, that was okay. So I was left at home and, and for the first couple of weeks um, I had the kids. She'd just sort of gotten up and left. A couple of weeks later um, I found out that she'd gone and picked the kids up from school, she had re enrolled them in the Achuca school and they were going to live with her, so she'd taken them away from me. So we moved forward um, a number of months, and the kids were still coming down to see me. Um, I was still living in Rochester at the time, which is about 30 k's away from Echuca. Um, So they would come down and see me every now and again on a weekend, and I'd Try and feel as good as I can to, to, to do things with the kids, even though I was still in a fair bit of pain. Um, that was all right. Um, things are sort of going along all right. Anyway, towards the end of 2011, I, I, I met another girl named Safira, and she lived down in Melbourne. And the, the first date that I had with Safira. I knew there was something special about her and I knew that I could actually see a future with her. Now, it was a little bit tricky because she lived in Melbourne and I lived up in Rochester, which was about two and a half hours away from where she lived, so um, I, I thought I, I didn't have to think for too long, but I sort of thought, well, um, what's actually keeping me here in Rochester? Um, What would a move to Melbourne be like? And I started to think about that, and there was there was a number of factors why I wanted to move down to Melbourne. But one of the one of the main factors there was was I thought well, the girls in particular were getting to an age where they could come and see me in Rochester, but um, they weren't. It was a very It was a very small town and there wasn't that much for them to do and I thought, well if I move to Melbourne I know Caleb's going to love coming down but I also thought the girls would probably like to come down to Melbourne as well because they haven't spent a lot of time in Melbourne and there's so many more things for them to do down here. So that was fine. Um, So fairly quickly I actually made the decision to move down to Melbourne to be with Safira. what then happened was my ex-wife um, got wind of that, and I remember her giving me a letter at one on one one day, and basically it says, "If you wish to see your kids again, you need to start um, going through court because you won't be." And so that's what happened. I moved down to Melbourne, and then we started going through court proceedings, and. Anybody who's been through family court proceedings um, knows that nothing happens in a hurry and you spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. So these court proceedings basically didn't finish until about 2015. So it was a lot of money spent for very, very little result, to be perfectly honest. Um, While we were going through the court proceedings um, there were a number of things that that happened um, and while the children were in the care of my ex-wife, their mother. So with my ex-wife there was an expectation for the children to basically be picking a side and she basically was suggesting to them you either need you need to pick me, or you need to pick my father. And obviously, she'd be being in, in her care. She had a lot of inside running on that one, and she actually managed to to get the girls to choose their mother over me. Caleb was very different. He always knew that I was a good dad, and that I loved him, and that. Um, He he didn't always take on board what the mother was saying but unfortunately the girls found themselves in that position where they were quite often choosing their mother over their father even though I loved each one of my children exactly the same. It was a really, really difficult time um, because I had two daughters who basically didn't want to see me and didn't want to speak to me. And as a father, that is incredibly difficult. I had times um, where I even—I remember one time I was standing in the kitchen door. We were living in Altham at the time, and I said to Safira, I broke down in tears, and I said, "I don't know whether I am ever going to see my kids again." And Safira's support was amazing. She said, "You will." She said, "You cannot lose faith in God. God will bring you through this. God will restore your relationship with your children." And as hard as it was for me to see that at the time, um, I just all I could do was say, "Okay, we need to keep. We need to keep believing." So, as I said, the court proceedings um, finished up about halfway two thousand and fifteen and at the end of that there was kind of no outcome. And their mother could see that there was going to be no outcome and certainly not the outcome she was hoping for. And so what what ended up happening was she said to Caleb, If you want to go down and see your father, I will allow it. So he started actually coming down to Melbourne and spending weekends with us, he might have spent you know every second weekend with us for, for quite a while. Um, by this time, both the girls had moved out of out of home, out of living with their Melbourne uh, with their mother, um, and they were living with them, by themselves, studying in in different places. One night, I got a call from Caleb, and he was really upset. He called me from his mother's home, and I said, "What's going on, buddy?" And he said, "Uh, mum's just kicked me out for the third time. (laughs) And I said, what? He said, yeah, I said said to him, and it was, I don't know what time it was, but I know it was probably around eight o'clock at night or something like that. I said, get out of the house, just go somewhere where you're safe, we are coming to get you. So we drove from Melbourne that night and went down and picked him up. And from that time on, Caleb started living with us. I believe he was about um, seven, seven. I think he was seventeen at the time when he started to come down and live with us in Melbourne. And since that time, we saw his his life change dramatically, um, just from what he had been through and put through living with his mother, to what he actually what we brought him into in a loving and caring family. Being with Safira and myself, and this was this was really amazing time um, for to Caleb to come back into into the fold, and, and for me to be able to play that father role again, um, which I hadn't been able to do for such a long time. So, out of this, there were a number number of things that happened. So. Caleb had his eighteenth birthday um, with us, um, and we just and, and and both the girls had been invited, Amber and Victoria, and this was the first, and Amber actually came down to the birthday party, and Victoria came down. Now I had seen Victoria a couple of times in the meantime, but this was the first time I'd seen Amber for years and sort of spoken to her, and from there other things began to change because Amber could see that we loved her, Um, even though she chose to support her mother and her mother asked her to do some things that um, that were very, very significant, that probably most of the fathers, if they had have had that done to them, would never have forgiven their daughter. But I go back to that scripture whereby the father knew what had happened but he did not lose his love for his children and that's exactly how I felt. I did not at any point, regardless of what had been done to me, lose my love for my children. And basically I'd been reduced while the kids were living with their mother from being called dad to being called Steve. and that is just such a painful thing, and it's when I think of the word "dad" and what that means. Um, it's just such a precious and powerful thing to be called dad. Um, so that was really, really tough. And Amber, Amber, after she came down to the birthday party, thought, "Hey, these these people are not." The same people that they have been portrayed to be by my mother. And Amber started to come down and and stay every now and again on a weekend. And then from there on she got a job down in Melbourne. So she'd come and she would come and every so every weekend she was traveling down to down to Melbourne and she'd be staying with us. And then it got to the point where um, she Said, well, I'm going to move down to Melbourne. I'm going to live with you guys, and I've got Aubrey, her daughter, my granddaughter. We'll we'll come down and we'll live with you. So there was that such a momentous change in our relationship, whereby I'd gone for years without even speaking to Amber, to her and her daughter coming to stay and live with us down in Melbourne, and recent last year. Amber actually went through um, a court battle for her own daughter with Aubrey. And it was it was interesting because we had, because we'd already been through this system before, we were able to advise Amber on a lot of the things that we felt that she should be doing, and a lot of the things that we felt that she shouldn't be doing. And when the court outcome came through, very much in Amber's favor, we felt Really blessed that we had the opportunity to speak into her life, and to ch- potentially assist in an outcome that was favourable to Amber, but also, from what we can see, for Aubrey, our granddaughter. So, it's just been amazing the change in in that in that relationship, both in you know in in Amber with Caleb, and also with Victoria, whose heart was also quite hard towards me. Um, we've seen over the last few months how much she's changed. Um, she's she's been, She was married um, a, few, a few months ago, she's got two kids, so I'm actually a grandfather three times. Um, but the way she's starting to change, the way her heart is starting to come back to me being the father, and also Safira, um, because we've had such a... We've had such a solid relationship and wanting to see our kids grow and to mature. So, even having missed a, a huge chunk of fathering through the kids' younger years, and now the kids coming back into our lives in a way that we never thought was possible, we did pick up a lot of pieces because there was so much damage done during those years, and, and a lot of the stuff that we weren't even aware of until even more recently. It's just been a privilege to be able to come alongside the kids and support them and to nurture them and to try and grow and mature them into the into the young men and young women they are now becoming. Also during this time, um, Safira and I went off to Africa at the end of 2017. We brought back the nephew, Takuza, who you'll all know around church. Um, so he's Safira's his, sister's son. And we brought him back out here to, uh, to study so he could you know, basically build, build a life for himself the same way safira has been able to. And it was a real privilege to be able to do that. But the, the interesting thing about um, the African culture is so very different to ours. And what that is is that if you are an auntie or an uncle, basically you were seen as a mother or a father figure in in that children's in that child's life. And so from that from takuza coming to live with us to I actually had a significant role in to play in his life as being a significant father figure. And Takuza actually lost his father when he was twelve years old. so, it's been really difficult you know for him to come to terms with that but i actually got a really nice text from Takuza even this morning just to say how much he'd appreciated me and it was it was really special to hear that and and we've really been blessed Safira and myself with all the children that that God has really brought into our lives that we've had the opportunity to nurture to guide and even recently we've had both Takuza and Caleb who have moved out of home um, since we've moved over to, over to our new house in, a couple of weeks ago. We always felt that Takuza was was going to be the first one to go because he was, seemed to be fairly well equipped um, and we were more than happy for him to move out. When Caleb came and talked to us and said, I'm not sure that I want to move with you guys." over to your new house. It's too far away from um, from university and from my work. We had a choice to make because we never felt that Caleb was actually quite ready to move. But I said to Caleb when he said, said, said to me, I said, I don't think you're ready to move, but if you feel you are, then we will support you however we can because I don't ever want to hold you back from something that is going to mature you and that is something that's going to be something that helps you to grow into a man and and build your own life so we did that and and through and it's been really interesting trying to you know help the kids navigate through through their lives as they have done because a lot of the time you know our kids don't realize that once upon a time, we were their age and we were grappling with the same sort of decisions in a lot of ways. So we've been through a lot of this stuff. Um, but it's really important that we are able to spend the time with our kids, um, no matter what age, giving them um, really important guidance and love. And sometimes with all of these kids, with Takuza, with Caleb, and with Amber, all three of them we have had some really, really difficult conversations with them. But sometimes as hard as those difficult conversations are, they can be the things that just change their lives so significantly and they can be the most rewarding conversations you can ever have with your kids. So I'd just like to say in finishing how privileged I am to have been a father, how difficult that has been at certain times but just how God has had the ability to turn that situation around. And I guess for me, if you're a father who finds yourself in a similar situation to me or whatever you're going through, don't lose your hope in God because he will turn things around so much more significantly than we can ever realize. And that's all I've got to say. So thank you for listening to me and I hope you've gotten something out of this. And happy Father's Day.
0: Wow, Steve, such a raw, real story of how you have displayed the Father's love towards your family and those in your life. Um, Not only, you know, situations have not been ideal at all, And yet um, you've been able to walk in that display it and uh, really reflect the father's heart towards us. And I know that he's been at work in in you, but also through you as well to build and rebuild the fabric of uh, the family and and your children's lives around you. It's just so incredibly extraordinary. I just want to give a massive thank you so much for sharing sharing that story with us for many many people um, uh, at least uh, I've had privilege of knowing some of that but uh for, for many people in the in the church family you may not have known that and and I just want to commend both yourself Steve and Sephia and also um, uh, uh, all of your children as well as TK included that. That, uh, that they have had to put in the hard work as well and yet allow for, for God's love to just continually uh, shape and shift their perspective on, uh, on what was happening in, in and around them. It's just so incredible, so extraordinary. Thank you, Steve, for being a doer of the word in spite of, um, of how difficult those circumstances were. And they uh, were, and I'm sure Unfortunately, as life happens, there may be some difficult ones to come. But, but at the mm. same time, uh, we just want to give you a massive cheer, mate, for uh, doing and being who you are to uh, to your family. Just we want to commend you immensely. Thank you, Steve. Right now, I want to introduce cool. you to uh, Samuel L. Wishart, who uh, is going to be our next guest in uh, speaking now. Um, Sam, um, uh, we'd love to see the photo that you've provided for us here to uh, to explain and introduce you to perhaps there's somebody out there that doesn't know Sam you would know Sam from from uh, leading worship and uh, Sam is a, a, a music director here as well as uh, overseeing a number of uh, wearing a lot of different hats all at once. but uh, Sam, thanks so much for joining and and uh, preparing what you have today, I'm gonna. Th- I'm just gonna throw it to you, mate. I'm just going to uh, um, let you take the stage right now. And uh, what are you going to share with us today about Father's Day? Wow! Look at that photo yeah, really. right there. <laughs> look at I that. love that. Look at, the photo, right? look, look at that That's, um, A little. That was internal travel on the left. Remember that. Uh, International travel. That's when you're allowed to travel internationally. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> absolutely. Where well, was that? good morning.
2: Um, that was Vietnam. But let's into it. So good morning, happy Father's Day. You'll hear it a bunch of times today, but absolutely happy Father's Day and happy Sunday. Such a great opportunity to be together and today is just it's just a beautiful, raw, honest discussion and to hear at some different perspectives. So Um, settle in and let's go for a ride. So James chapter 1, verses 22 to 24 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers alone, deceiver. he's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. He observes himself, he goes away, and then he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So what kind of person are you What kind of person am I? What shapes who you are and what shapes who I am? Identity is defined as the characteristics determining who or what a person is. And that's my focus for the next five to 10 minutes to take some time to share some lessons about my identity. These lessons are all in my white book. I actually got this book.
0: I in amongst all of this technology, we may be having some uh, technical issues just here, which we'll just uh, work through and sort out. You're back, uh, you're back, Sam.
2: I am going to give up my groovy scene and just go where the mobile, where the data's better. So let's see how we go.
0: Fantastic, mate.
2: Nothing like doing it on the fly.
0: <laughs> that's right. That? It's a real Father's Day here for everyone. There, it's uh, it's so good.
2: Are we good? You got me now?
0: Sure, have yep.
2: Ripper. So let's shoot it back. Lesson one is all about ten thousand BC, which is a movie that's made up. But I'm not here talking about the movie. I'm talking about one point inside the movie. So there's this older man named Tik Tik. He tells a younger man named Delay about his father. Look at this, I've got a stool and everything. An older man named Tik- tells a young man Delay about his father. His father was the tribe's chief and left the village years earlier to find food for the tribe, but he never returned. And tick advises Delay of this about his father. He says a good man draws a circle around himself and cares for those within, his women and his children. Other men draw a larger circle and bring within them their brothers and their sisters. But some men have an even greater destiny. They must draw around themselves a circle that includes many, many, many more. And your father was one of those men, so you must decide for yourself whether you are as well. Tick-Tick teaches me that identity, or who or what a person is, is bigger than me. There's no right or wrong about whether my circle has those closest to me or just is a lot larger. But the lesson here for me is about whether I'm the only person inside my circle. I know I like to be by myself. I like my own company and I like to do my own things. I also know that at some point that becomes unhealthy for me. Being by myself is unhealthy. So I need to remember that lesson and remember it often. Lesson number two today comes from Matthew McConaughey. So he's an American actor, producer, and he gave a commencement speech to the University of Houston in 2015. So my white book tells me it says this, it says, Matthew said, if happiness is what you're after, then you're going to be let down frequently and be unhappy much of your time. Joy though is something else. It's not a choice, not a response to some result. Joy is a constant. Joy is the feeling we have from doing what we're fashioned to do no matter the outcome. Matthew says he defines success as a measure of five things, of fatherhood, of being a good husband, of health, career and friendship. What he teaches me about identity and the lesson I've learned here is that, it's, that it includes what I do but it's actually more about my identity, it's more about being anchored inside whether I'm doing what I'm fashioned to do, we'd say created to do. So I spend a lot of time reading reading leadership books. Anyone who knows me, anybody who's walked into my bedroom on the side, it's just leadership book after leadership book. Why? Because I recognize that everyone's a leader. I'm a leader and without simplifying things, leaders carry with them metrics that they define their success by. So for Matthew McConaughey, it was fatherhood, husband, health, career, friendship. For me, some of the measures include that I know Jesus Christ as Lord. I believe in the power of education, of knowledge, of truth, of any learning to just absolutely change a lot. I always wanna be involved in fixing broken things, be it systems, processes, organizations. And another measure is, is it's important to me to be able to see how one individual and when they change and they grow and improve, how that individual can change the, the group of individuals within which they live, work and play. Lesson three, Are called the sum of the fathers. So identity is defined as the characteristic defining who or what a person is. So I believe the single largest characteristic that's determined who I am is my father, my father God and my good looking father, Howard Malcolm Wishart. So the older I get, I realize that much of my father is embedded in me. There's many examples. My kids will give you a bunch. But I'll give you three quotes today that he said that I use and carry through. So quote number one, he says, that's because your father Sam was smarter than mine. My dad used to say this often to me, it was his way of encouraging me. When I achieved some level of greatness, and it sure worked, because I say it to Jackson all the time. He's probably tired of me hearing it, but I say to him, Jack, that's because your father was smarter than mine. Quote number two is, it's in his name and it's by his blood. This is the healing summary that my father uses. When there's a circumstance that needs Jesus, then he'll often just mention the statement, Sam, it's in his name and by his blood. And I find myself more and more just trusting, relying and leaning on that statement. It's in his name and by his blood. Quote number three is follow after the peace. Tad used to say this whenever a decision was needed. You just follow after the peace in the decision. The peace being Jesus, the Prince of Peace inside the decision. This has guided me many, many times. So I'm the sum of all the fathers in my life. I'm the sum of my wife's father, Ron, my wife's grandfather, Neville, my sister's husband, Red, and my brother, Leo, my friends, of other fathers, and most notably of my father, Howard. So, in my wrap up before you get here from Andy, I've purposely anchored today's discussion around identity and around Father's Day. If had a wife's day or a children's day, then I would happily share it on all those learnings. It's not a single person in recent years who's taught me more than my wife and my kids. So identity is defined as the characteristic determining who or what a person is. Tick, tick teaches me that my identity is bigger than just me, it's the circle. So it's worth taking some time for us today to assess healthy and possibly unhealthy relationships in our lives. Matthew McConaughey teaches me that identity includes doing what I'm fashioned to do. So again, take some time, assess what God's created you to do and how you can move into that, operate in that and stay in that. And lastly, my father has taught me that we're the sum of all the inputs inside our lives. Who and what is inputting into your life? What kind of person am I? What person am I? Started with us. What shapes you, what shapes me? These are the questions that you and I should continue to pursue the answers to. So thanks for listening. Happy Father's Day.
0: Wow, Sam, that's, that's just so incredible. I, I know that I'm going to have to go back and take notes on some of that and maybe even grab those notes off you because that was that, that's just so impacting and so uh, thoughtful. In, uh, in how you presented it, but the content of what you uh, sh- have shared just then. And uh, it's it's so true. You know, we, we start to see more of our fathers in ourselves. And it just provides um, some framework and the importance of how important great men are, how important fathers are, young men are. Um, and, uh, you know, and of course, you know, to all, uh, to all our wonderful, not our wonderful women, to all the wonderful women uh, in and around who are listening and watching. It doesn't discount you in any way, shape or form, but today being Father's Day, I just wanna highlight the importance and the need for the, the, for, the, for the framework and the fabric of our society, how important men and father figures are and applying those principles that Sam has actually shared. is just so extraordinary. Well, I, I don't want to delay this anymore. We're gonna hear from a completely different uh, generation now as well. And uh, Andrew Duncan, most know as Andy. Andy, thanks so much uh, for joining us uh, right now. Now, Andy, you're not a father, <clears throat> you're not a father yet. Um, but I invited you uh, into this discussion simply because you, you, you have a gi- different generational perspective and, and w- we want to hear uh, what, um, what, what your perspective has been about, you know, from a sonship point of view, from the ability that, you know, what it is to be, to be a son. But first, why don't you introduce uh, the members that are in this photo that you've provided to us tell us a little bit about each and every person right there
3: no worries oh there we go that was a few years ago um you've got the long hair still going so obviously it's me sitting over on the left um in the middle that's my brother chris and uh he's holding my my nephew theo who's now uh four i believe almost four um and uh on the very right that's obviously uh, my my biggest hero, it's my
0: father, Peter. <laughs> well, a massive shout out to uh, Peter Duncan there. I uh, hope you're watching and uh, hope one day to be able to meet the great father of uh, Andy Duncan here as well. So Andy, um, from from your journey and uh, um, uh, what you um, have, ex- have experienced as, in, in growing up, um, obviously, you know, from from one father's perspective, I know I'm never ever uh, perfect, um, but um, uh, and you know we're, we're not talk, talking about failings of fathers. But how how has ha, what's your perspective of of um, fathering from a from a son's point of view? Um, I think the best way to put
3: it is uh, my dad's. Uh, I think well, this is. Certain totally on my opinion, but my dad's biggest role in my life was uh, my my teacher. He was my biggest teacher. He is the smartest man I know. Um, and I think just his way of instilling lessons into me, that's been the, the most crucial part of who, who I am as part of my, my identity. Um, he was, uh, my dad was always persistent. No lesson was, was too hard that he wouldn't, you know, come back, try again, and make sure that, you know, this is for me and, and my brother. I'd like to speak on his behalf. Um, but uh, no lesson was too hard that uh, that didn't have time to go over and over and make sure that we either learned the skill or learned the lesson, depending on what part of life it was. Um, and I think... Uh, one of the uh, best characteristics that uh, I've attained from my father is just absolute honesty. There is no conversation that is too hard. There is no, uh, you know, nothing you can't say. Um, yeah, he's just been. Uh, he's. I don't know. He's just my hero in that in that facet. Uh, I just find him the yeah, an honest, hardworking, and
0: driven man fantastic I, I love what you said there. It's like um, uh, it, either the lesson developed the skill or the skill developed the lesson which which one did you find most impacting was it was it the lesson that developed the skill or or was there the, the instillment of the skill during the lesson um, I, I
3: definitely think it's the as uh, the latter of the two um, there were I mean, from, from simple things of, of like, you know, learning how to, how to use tools, how to uh, use the computer properly. Because when, when I was young, that was when, you know, computers were like, the, the, the hot technology, we'll call it. Now, now they're everywhere. But um, my dad being the uh, persistent man that he is, uh, he had to, you know, learn, learn his trade through computers, whereas that skill came naturally to my brother I was a bit on the, the slower side for that, um, but it didn't mean that Dad didn't, uh, you know, tear his hair out trying to teach me how to use the use a bloody computer. But uh, um,
0: <laughs> <he was laughs> well, I know that there's been plenty of moments from all of our fathers, I'm sure, who were uh, who who've been tearing their hair out over that lesson and the development of that skill but i know that you've prepared a couple of things that you wanted to share today why don't you go ahead and uh and share that with us um as uh, as as we uh, finish off today now yeah certainly
3: um well
0: i guess
3: in reflection of like what uh, i'll say what, what sam was talking about but the uh the message of today talking about you know man in the mirror is you know, you can't just uh, you can't just sort of like yeah, look in the mirror, look at look at yourself and then walk away, not learning the lesson. I think it's about experience. I think um, uh, it's the like education and experience in the same hand and that's why, you know, I take a decision from my father where it's about, you know, uh, Sorry, I'm losing my, my train of thought. Um, there's just, well, I guess, the hard part is like I'm trying to talk about lessons that from from my father, and then talking about my perspective of, of fatherhood. Yeah, my father is my, my greatest teacher. Um, my father was always um, the rock of my family. He was always the most supportive. Um, in hand with my mother, they both you know work together. They work together as a team. I'm trying to take those lessons from my family and instill them into you know, the the younger generation itself. Um, as you know, with um, me me and Amber running the uh, the youth group, we try to have a similar sort of approach for um, our youth nights. There's no conversation that's that's like off topic. There's um, there's always room to grow. Uh, there's always lessons to be instilled. I think. Um, Having patience is obviously one crucial thing that uh, fathers, father figures need. Uh, I think mean, having the time, being able to uh, make sure that you just constantly uh, keep trying. You can't can't give up on you know whether it's the small stuff or the big stuff. You you just can't give up. You've got to keep persisting. Um, and then yeah, I think there is a there is a sort of area where you do need to reflect. You do need to look at yourself, but you can't. You can't forget that. You can't treat it as the uh, looking at the one reflection and then walking away, forgetting about it. Um, you need to, to remember the. Like, you, you always need to remember, you know, from your mistakes. You need to remember from your past experiences, and I think um, that's that's sort of my view on it.
0: Yeah, that's so good, mate. Um, you've you've been through a number of challenging uh, things, uh, you know, at, at personal levels, and um, you know, one day w- we might uh, be honoured to hear about some of that. But um, um, and obviously, as uh, both yourself and Amber are, are co-leaders in uh, in leading uh, the youth group here as well, what um, what leadership lessons have you have you picked up from from um, you know, as, as you've observed your father, as you've, uh, you, what leadership lessons have been really highlighted? Maybe, you know, maybe two or three leadership lessons that have really significantly impacted you that has actually equipped you throughout all of those challenges that you've had?
3: Um, I think, I think optimism is always like, like a high High part on my uh, my list it's uh, much sort of like the same in reference to uh, Steve's story is uh, no matter how tough things get, no matter how downtrodden you feel, you've got to remember that you know, God's always looking out for your for you and yours. Um, he's always there. He's always moving you forward. I think that's an important thing to always keep in mind uh yeah not to let you know the bad thoughts and, the, and the, um, the you know mishaps get the better of you um yeah that was a, um, always a, a big one that uh, my father also also has um because yeah when I, when I was younger I was um, I was sick I've got diabetes so then when that initially came up um Mum does very well with all the medical stuff. Dad's a bit more on the, like, you know, we'll let your mother handle that. But he was it didn't stop him from always being there. Um, from just being in my bedside, every chance he got, he would be there um, straight after work and until he wasn't allowed to stay anymore, go home, go back to work, come in the next day and see me. Um, you yeah, that. that's, uh, I think, Having the optimism, having the, the persistence, just to make to know that uh, things are going to get better, and uh, they always do. I I always think they, um, yeah. And then uh, other leadership values, I think, yeah, patience. Patience is always <laughs> an important one.
0: Patience. Well, <clears throat> you're just so um, uh, perceptive, Andy. And and thoughtful in the way that you uh, you always present yourself, and um, and uh, I know that we're going to be seeing uh, a lot more of uh, those skills as uh, as you you know continue to develop, and um, and and uh, we need strong young men who are uh, who are the backbone and and uh, the fabric of our community and I'm talking about the wider community as well because uh, um, you know fathers uh, start um, young Fathers start as young men and uh, you know I just think of uh, my son uh, Joshua that um, that as he is uh, growing and as he is developing then uh, my aim is not to develop a, uh, a boy my aim is to develop a good strong young man who uh, has and will have the potential of uh, being a great and wonderful father, um, not only to him but perhaps to other to other people as well. So um, I just want to give a big thank you. We have uh, stretched out our time today a little bit, so um, thank you so much for everybody who is listening. In just a short few moments, I'm going to hand back over to Pastor Julie, but um, can each and every single person who uh, who has been watching today, no matter where you are, um, can you give our three amazing guests a big warm, warm round of applause and a big absolute thank you. Thank you to Steve. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Andy. Um, it just incredible insights from three different generations. And uh, it really does take um, different people who, from different experiences with different strengths to weave together the fabric of, uh, of who uh, we are as a community and our effectiveness as well. That we would be doers uh, and not just hearers of the word, that we would be strengthened with great courage uh, to, uh, to outwork uh, what God has for us in store so on uh, behalf of me and my own happy Father's Day right now we're going we're going to pass over to um, to Pastor Julie now and uh, th- I just want to personally thank you all for paying attention. Thank you all. I'm, I really hope you grab some notes there that you're going to be able to apply just right on the notebook of your heart there and uh, and once again please thank you to Steve, uh, Sam, and Andy for joining us today. Thanks so much for your time and your uh, incredible stories right there. So thank you. I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Julie now. Thank you, Pastor Julie.